The Atlanta Braves finish off a very interesting and very important MLB draft with a lot of solid picks that have a ton of upside. We'll recap all those, and I'll give you some of my favorite picks from the MLB draft. We'll also cover the All-Star game where a couple of Braves picked up some hits. We'll talk about all that on today's episode of Locked on Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked on Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jacob Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball and check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at TomahawkTake.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, feedback that you have for the podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube uh, where you can hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up button, hit the notification bell, hit all the buttons uh, as you help support the show there. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first to listen each and every day. Post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. Today, we're going to recap the final rounds of the MLB draft, and we'll give you my overall thoughts and tell you about some of my favorite picks from this draft. And we'll talk touch on the All-Star game as well and some things I like about the All-Star game and a couple of Braves hitters who picked up some hits in the game as well. Well, let's start by finishing off day three of the MLB draft, rounds 11 through 20. Again, I mentioned it, the MLB draft much shorter now than it used to be. Every every pick here, uh, very important. You don't get many throwaway picks like you did when it was 40-plus rounds. So every pick here, very important as you look to restock, rebuild a farm system as the Braves are trying to do. I'm going to go a little bit quicker through some of these picks on day three just because not a ton of information about a lot of these guys, especially some of the younger players and high school players. But around 11, Ian Mejia out of New Mexico State, a right-handed pitcher, was drafted by the Mets out of high school, had a 4.29 ERA, 1.470 whip this past season. Not great, but 102 strikeouts and 102-thirds innings, so... Again, taking a, a college arm there and taking a shot on a kid who was, you know, a highly touted prospect out of high school, hoping things that well will pan out as he gets into that developmental uh, process with the Braves. Round twelve, Justin Giannis out of Illinois, first baseman, left-handed hitter, slash three forty-nine, four ninety-three, five forty-seven, with six home runs, twenty-eight walks, and twenty-four strikeouts this past season. Won the Big Ten. Batting, batting crown, hitting 391 in conference play. He was also impressive at the Cape this past summer, slashing 307 with a 370 on-base percentage, had five doubles and a triple in 24 games, but no home runs, just five walks to 19 strikeouts. So quite the difference. I talked about this yesterday, not putting too much stock in the walk-to-strikeout ratio at the college level. That doesn't always translate over to the big leagues. And you can see here, even for Justin Giannis, you know, 28 walks and 24 strikeouts over an entire season at Illinois and in a Cape in just 24 games, five walks to 19 strikeouts. So you already see that ratio kind of not playing out 
going up against higher level competition. Round 13, Cedric D. Grinpre. Uh, hopefully I'm saying that right. Probably not. Uh, from Chipola College, right-handed pitcher, a 280 ERA and a 11.33 K per nine. So striking out a lot of batters, a mid-90s fastball, a solid slider, a plus changeup, somebody with a reliever profile, which is something we're seeing often in this draft from the Braves. They have a lot of guys who uh, I think could move quickly as relievers, and Cedric is one of those, their round 13 pick. Round 14, Landon Harper, another pitcher, this one out of Southern Miss. A 3-3-0 ERA and a 1.031 whip in 43 and two-thirds innings with 50 strikeouts over 31 uh, outings with 12 saves for Southern Miss, a very good team uh, this year in the college baseball ranks. Uh, so they get Landon Harper again, another arm. I think can move quickly as a reliever. Round 15, William Silva from Miami Dade College, a right-handed pitcher, a 2-4-8 ERA, a 1-1-7 whip, 39 innings pitched, just six strikeouts and 39, or just six walks and 39 strikeouts. Um, so very good stuff from William Silva. Uh, could be another good, again, you guessed it, bullpen arm for the Atlanta Braves. They're targeting a lot of these big arms. Uh, and again, we'll talk about that more in a minute, but I just think that's been a concerted effort in this draft is to target you know bullpen arms, relievers. Uh, I think that's going to be a very smart strategy. Uh, round 16, EJ Exposito, a Long Island University shortstop right-handed hitter, slash 258, 380, 476 with 13 home runs, 45 walks, 36 strikeouts in 58 games this past season. In the MLB Draft League, slash 333, 460, 491 with a couple of home runs, eight stolen bases, 13 walks, and 13 strikeouts in 21 games. So kind of a solid all-around hitter there. Uh, really kind of an on-base machine. Puts the ball in play. Has a little bit of speed. Uh, so a bit of a you know, upside play there in EJ Exposito. Round 17. This may be one of my favorite day three picks, or I, I know it is my favorite day three pick, but Kevin Kilpatrick Jr. out of College of Central Florida. Outfielder, right-handed hitter. Slash 383, 450, 628 with 11 home runs, 15 doubles, 8 triples, 8 stolen bases, 26 walks, 37 strikeouts in 61 games. Granted, this is at a lower level, but those are standout numbers. And watched a little bit of video on this kid. He just looks like a really toolsed-up athletic type of kid. So has me really excited, committed to Houston. Uh, so if the Braves can't sign him, then he'll continue next year at Houston where uh, if he puts up similar numbers, he could rise up draft boards next year. But I'm hoping the Braves can land this kid. Uh, he looks really exciting and looks like a, a really good potential prospect. At round 18, Noah Williams, the only high schooler, or no, sorry, one of two high schoolers they took on day three uh, out of Redondo Union High School in California, an outfielder, switch hitter. Another kind of toolsy kid, uh, just watching some brief video on him. Uh, not long after he was drafted, he tweeted that he's continuing his baseball career at Southern University. So I don't think that bodes well for the Rays' chances of signing him, but we'll see how that plays out. Round 19, another high schooler, Christian Jackson. This one out of Dutchtown High School in Georgia. So hometown kid, another outfielder, can play infield as well. Again, like all these late picks, looks like a toolsy kid, uh, can hit for power has some speed, again, can play on the infield, a Georgia State commit. So 
again, Braves taking some chance, chances late, um, just drafting based on some guys who have a bunch of tools and first of all, seeing if they can get them signed and then seeing what they can do as they develop in the professional ranks. And then lastly, in round 20, Kashan Ogans out of Cal, shortstop, right-handed hitter, slash 315, 378, 420 with three home runs, 20 walks, 28 strikeouts this past season. And then in the MLB Draft League, slashed 262, 419, 431 with two homers, 13 walks, and 13 strikeouts in 20 games. So another hitter at the college ranks that you know is either walking as much or more than they're striking out. I think, again, we've seen that become kind of a, a target for the Braves in this draft, guys who are more disciplined at the plate but also can provide some power. So those are the picks for the Braves. We cover them all this week uh, on, the, on the Lockdown Braves podcast. Next, I want to tell you my favorite picks from this draft and who I am excited to see join the Braves. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's Vince Jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring, making each ring one of a kind. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most starting July 18th? This past Monday, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. This will be, again, available starting July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. This draft was a very important one for the Braves. We talked about it. They made that significant move, giving up three prospects for the 35th overall pick and the two-plus million-dollar bonus pool addition that came with that in order to restock a, form, a farm system that has been depleted and is now ranked as one of the worst in all of baseball. So you could say this is one of the more important MLB drafts the Braves have had in quite some time as they try to stockpile some young talent in their system to build up the future and to make sure they constantly are having young kids coming up, being able to contribute at the big league level for this. Look, I'm going to say a dynasty potential that the Braves have with all the young talent they already have at the major league level. Now the job of the front office is to make sure they continue to develop that young talent so that they have waves of young kids coming in similar to what the Dodgers are doing over there. And I know nobody wants to talk about the enemy, but that's how the Dodgers have been so successful for so long is they just continue to crank out good young talent. It helps that they have a $200 million payroll, but mostly they build from within over there a lot of times. So that's what the Braves are trying to do. They're trying to get to a place where they're competing every year at the big league level and they continue to have a strong farm system that is feeding into that major league team. So this was a big draft for that, trying to recoup some of that talent and build up the farm system. Just my quick thoughts on the strategy. 
the Braves have done this in the past several years. They passed up on more highly ranked guys in order to go get the guys that they want. Look, we all look at the rankings, and I'd have loved Brock Jones at 35. I would have loved Connor Prelip at, at 20. I think those guys could be very good talents. But the Braves passed up on those guys, the opportunities they had, and they went after the guys that their scouts believed in, that they believe in. And, again, credit to them. They are the ones sitting there watching these players all the time. They're getting uh, the inside information. They know these players best. And if they have an inkling about these guys and feel like they're going to be a good fit for the organization, then they should stick to their guns and go for them, not just jump at a guy because they've fallen down the draft boards or somebody's ranked higher and they should take them here because you know they may not be available later. You know, Go for the guys you think are going to be the most impactful. And that's what the Braves do. They stick to their guns in these drafts. They go for the players they believe in and that's exactly what they should do, and it's what most front offices, smart front offices, will do. Uh, and I thought the Braves did that very well in this draft. Look, I didn't have a lot of these guys, or hardly any of these guys, on my radar, but that's because I'm going mostly off rankings. And a lot of the other mock drafts out there, they were way off because most of them are going off what the Braves have done in the past and going off their own evaluation of ranking these players. But as we know, the Braves don't give away anything with what they are doing and what they are thinking, uh, but it's pretty evident from their draft that they have their list of rankings, guys they believe in, and they will stick with that and draft those players. And uh, credit to them. And again, as I said on the first day of the MLB draft, I trust this group and what they're doing. Uh, so certainly want to reiterate that. I thought they went big early in the draft and then kind of safe in the middle taking a lot of four-year college players, uh, players that should be easy to sign, and then they took some shots late as well. I mentioned you know, a couple of high school players in the final couple of rounds. Uh, so, again, that looked like the strategy of the Braves, kind of take some shots early, some safe picks in between, and then some shots late, which is what most teams will generally do. Uh, target a lot of arms that don't have mileage on them. Uh, I don't know if that was the – decision or if that was the strategy or not but a lot of the arms they take in and obviously COVID plays into this just don't have a lot of mileage on them um, and they also took some relievers this was a big thing for me and I talked about it in the first segment is they took a lot of relievers um, and I think that's very important with the way that the game is going you're only having starters go five six you know at most seven innings in a start you know, bullpens are becoming more important than ever. And so I think it's a very smart strategy to start targeting these guys who, you know, are relievers. Their stuff plays up as relievers. Perhaps you give them a shot as a starter early on, but you know, as a fallback, they could become solid relievers at the back end one day. And I feel like the Braves, you know, targeted a lot of those types of guys in this draft and relievers that could move up pretty quickly. They yeah, seem to be targeting bats that are more well-rounded. Again, I've talked about this. Bats that have power but also have good plate discipline. Now, I've also uh, you know, said that sometimes plate discipline at the college level doesn't always translate to the professional level, so you have to take that with a grain of salt. But that seems to be the strategy with a lot of the bats that they took in this draft is a lot of them have good power, but they're also guys that aren't striking out a ton. And their walk-to-strikeout ratio is very good. So those were some of the things that stood out to me. 
you know, drafting relievers, uh, drafting arms that don't have a lot of mileage on them and drafting bats that have better plate discipline, but also have a ton of power, which is what I think is most successful in this game and the way the game's being played at the moment. As far as some big ticket picks, you know, we probably have to go over slot on their first three picks, which were all high school players, possibly Keller as well, their sixth round pick. All of their college picks seem like easy signs that they could get at slot value or under. They'll have a tough time signing Noah Williams and Christian Jackson, the two high schoolers they took in the 18th and 19th round. You know, that's just pretty typical. Even in a much longer draft, you take some high school players late in the draft and uh, just see if you can get them signed. But I think those will be two of their tougher signs of this draft. I think they can get everybody else done pretty easily. Some of my favorite picks in this draft, I mentioned the day three pick, Kilpatrick. He was one of my favorite day three picks. Uh, again, just watching a little video on him just seems like a really fiery uh, kid, a toolsy kid, can do a lot of good things on the bases and on the field. So I'm really hoping the Braves can sign him. Like I said, if he goes to Houston and puts up similar numbers as he did at Juco, uh, he could move up draft boards very big next year. But I think the Braves do get him signed, and I'm excited to see what he can do at the professional level. Obviously very excited about you know Murphy, Richie, Phillips, the first three picks. You know, while – while college arms, and I talked about this on day one, you know, they're more projectable. You have a better idea of what they're safer. They're safer picks. High school picks, while we don't know much about them and how they're going to develop, they're far more exciting because you don't know. There is a lot of unknown. And, you know, they could turn out to be the next Jacob DeGrom or they could not make the major leagues altogether. Again, there is that high risk when you take high school players, but. At the beginning, at least, it's very exciting to see what they can do. Obviously, Cole Phillips is going to be a little while recovering from Tommy John surgery, but I'm really excited to see what all three of those high school players do. Phillips in particular, like I said, once coming back off that injury, if he can still throw upper 90s, hit triple digits, and can do that as a starter, then the Braves could have a really special pick there with their third pick of the draft. Uh, I like the round three and four picks. On day two, Drake Baldwin and David McCabe, they just look like very solid hitters, and that's what the Braves really need in their farm system. It's always important to be you know, stockpiling starting pitching because that's so hard to acquire frontline starting pitching. So you understand the desire to continue to draft pitchers, but the Braves farm system could use some hitters. I mean, after Vaughn Grissom right now, there just aren't a lot of big-time hitters in the minor league system for the Braves. So I think Baldwin, McCabe could fill that void and be, you know, it's two of the better hitters coming up in the Braves system in a couple of years. So my favorite picks, you know, Murphy, Richie, Phillips, Baldwin, McCabe, uh, Kilpatrick. Those are the guys I'm most excited about. Hopefully we see the Braves get them all signed. Hopefully they're able to sign all of their picks and we get a look at them later in the year as they go to short season ball and rookie ball. Uh, it will be a lot of fun to see what they can do and look forward to watching them grow and develop in the Braves system. All right, next one, I just touch on the All-Star game, some things that I really liked about the All-Star game and enjoyed watching, and obviously we'll talk about how the Braves players performed. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's Major League Baseball action, 
BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Brian, Brian Snicker and the National League team took it up 3-2 to two loss uh, in the All-Star game, their ninth straight loss for the National League squad. Jumped out to an early 2 to nothing lead, uh, but then uh, the American League answered with three runs and a couple of home runs and ended up winning the game 3-2. to two. I actually had a lot of fun watching this game. I didn't get to watch all of it. I had to cut out in the middle uh, for something, uh, prior engagement that I had to attend, but from the parts that I got to watch, it was very enjoyable. I liked having the players mic'd up. I would hate it during a regular season game. I saw some people saying, you know, do this for every game. I would, I, I hate when they interview coaches during a game. I just think during a game, the coaches, players, they need to be focused on their job. I, I hate in-game interviews uh, in actual games, but for an all-star event, I love it. And the Alec Manoa one in particular, when it started, and I was like a lot of you on Twitter that said, micing up a pitcher, not a great idea. And it was awkward to begin. But once they got into it, and I think Manoa got a little comfortable with it, it was really neat to hear you know, the thought process behind a, a major league starting pitcher and how they're trying to outthink the hitter and, and try to guess what pitch they think is coming uh, and kind of you know outsmart them. I think that was really cool stuff, and I loved seeing that. Um, I love the the conversation between Max Fried and Garrett Cole in between innings and just turning off the commentators, uh, which sometimes is a really good thing. Uh, I thought that was really neat as well. So I loved all that. I thought they make it a really good event. Look, the the MLB All-Star you know, festivities, weekend, game, it is by far the best in all of sports. It's not even worth watching the NBA stuff. I haven't watched in a Pro Bowl in I don't know how long. Um, the NHL skills game is pretty cool, but like the home run derby, what they're able to do in the all-star game and making, you know, player getting players involved and micing them up. It's by far the best in all sports. And I really did find myself enjoying it still mad and upset that Atlanta lost the all-star game and really hope they get it back soon. Cause I've never been to one and I was planning on going that year. So Hopefully the Braves get to host an all-star game pretty soon at Truist Park. As far as the Braves hitters in this game, Acuna led off the game for the National League with a double down the left field line, ended up scoring on a hit by Mookie Betts. Uh, got three more at-bats, which I saw some people complaining about, but look, he got the most votes of National League among National League players. He should get to play in there a little bit more. Ended up striking out a second at-bat, grounded out on a ball, hit 101.1 miles per hour, in his third at bat, right up the middle, but they had the shift on. Why are you playing the shift in the All-Star game? Anyways, so he goes one for three at the plate. Uh, the NL team only had five hits, and the Braves players had two of those. Austin Riley got a hit late in the game as well, but was erased on a fielder's choice. Dansby was over two, but as typical Dansby luck happens, he lined out on a ball, hit 102 miles per hour that had an ex expected batting average of 5'10". So a bit unlucky for Dansby, couldn't pick up a hit in his first All-Star game. William Contreras, Travis Darno each only got one at bat. Contreras struck out. Uh, Darno flew out to center. So Braves hitters do pick up a couple of hits. Uh, Max Freed, like we said, didn't get to pitch in this one. I hate that. You know, his hometown in L.A. not getting to pitch. But 
I understand I want him fresh for the second half, and he's got more meaningful games coming up. Tomorrow, I uh, want to take some of your questions. So send in any questions that you have for the podcast. want to talk a little bit of trades as well. So send in any questions that you have, and we'll answer those on Thursday's episode. And then Friday, we'll do an episode previewing the second half. But that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Uh, thank you for making Locked On Braves your first listen every day. Again, be back tomorrow answering your questions, talking about some trade rumors. Now go over and make your second list in Locked On MLB Prospects, where host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow and doing a lot of coverage of the MLB draft. So you want to know more about the MLB draft and the picks made, go make sure you check out Lindsey Crosby over at Locked On MLB Prospects. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 